Just a quick reminder before we start this week's show, the Southampton Women's Football Club has reached another Hampshire FA Cup final. They'll be taking on the Portsmouth FC ladies at Haven and Waterlooville FC at 7.45 on Wednesday, March 28th. So head down to Portsmouth, wear red and white, make the girls feel at home, and help them bring home another trophy. And in case you were wondering, in their last five matches, they've scored 19 goals and allowed just one. All right, now here's the show. You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. I'm really happy to be here. It's a pleasure for me. I would like uh, to make the most of this opportunity. And now, your host, Matt Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markson. I'm the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, thank you for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. Now, you may notice that my voice sounds uh, slightly different, and that is because I'm recording this for the second time. Because as we all know, earlier today, Mauricio Pellegrino was sacked by the Southampton Football Club. When I told my students, this is what they said. Now, all joking aside, we don't wish Mauricio Pellegrino any kind of ill will. I don't think, uh, you know, as as a human being, I'm sure he's he's a he's a normal person. I'm sure he's fine. He just definitely wasn't a good fit. But I'm really getting tired of saying that about the managers at the club. But, um, you know, obviously, uh, Josh, my guest from this week, who runs the Saints FC page on Instagram, uh, we recorded on on Sunday, and we even waited a little bit for for various reasons. Uh, but we're kind of waiting, especially after that performance, to see if it would happen. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't think it was going to. I thought Pellegrino was here for the remainder of the season. But if you really look at the calendar, this is it. This is the last chance to part ways with the manager uh, and really give anybody who comes in any chance to have an impact uh, and possibly save the season. So um, I think it was the manner of the defeat. And judging from the writing of Adam Leach and some of the comments that I've heard elsewhere, Uh, It really was the manner of the defeat. It wasn't the fact that we lost to Newcastle. It was the fact that we didn't show any fight, that there was nothing there. Uh, And, and I think that is finally what, what kind of broke the camel's back. That's the straw that broke the camel's back. That's what cost uh, Pellegrino his job. And in in terms of the podcast, the podcast was done. I was, I was at work when the news broke that Pellegrino was um, sacked and, I was kind of thinking, what am I going to do? Am I going to come home? Am I going to try to do this? And I'll be honest, I wasn't having a, a very good day. I had a pretty terrible start to the day. And then it got better. And then it got a little better. And then I'm in a meeting and I see the news that Pellegrino has been sacked. And I kind of like 
uh, got really excited. And then somebody asked me if my wife was pregnant, like, did I get a message on my phone that my wife is pregnant? Uh, I'm probably, this is an overshare for sure. But I said, no, like I have a vasectomy. If my wife texts me that she was pregnant, like we'd have real issues. But like, um, no, I said, I said, you know, the saints just sacked their manager and everybody just told me to shut up and we went back to our meeting. But, um, then I, I had all these ideas, you know, do I, do I call some people? Do I have them record? Do I do something kind of spur of the moment? What do I, you know, uh, what do we do? Because to be honest, Josh and I, when we had our conversation uh, about the game, about Newcastle, about the club, um, you will notice that my voice doesn't sound this way because it was a very somber kind of sober conversation. It wasn't a fun conversation. Uh, for the most part, uh, we were both kind of dejected by, by the performance and you'll hear that and I'll, and I'll, um, pretty much play the, the conversation in its entirety because, Josh and I still talk about other things because even though the manager is gone and I think everybody feels that's a good move or most people feel it's a good move, um, there are still plenty of issues at, at the club and uh, whether it's the board members uh, and, and management in general, uh, whether it's the players not really showing any fight against Newcastle, whatever it is, uh, there are plenty of issues to be sorted out. So uh, Josh and I are going to run through the kind of the normal conversation, but I had to sit down and re-record uh, the intro, obviously, because um I didn't know Pellegrino was sacked when I originally recorded it. So uh, enough of this. Let's go ahead and get into uh, my conversation with Josh, who runs the Saints FC page on Instagram. Uh, the links are in the show notes. Make sure you check it out if you don't already follow him. He is just under 1,500 followers on that page. So if we can get him there, that'd be great. And uh, yeah, so uh, I hope you enjoy it. And if you're one of the new listeners, um, we got an influx of, of Instagram followers and hopefully new listeners. So uh, normally uh, I'm not this excited, I don't think. But uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Maybe maybe this is a new me. Who knows? Anyway, here's my conversation with Josh, who runs the Saints FC page on Instagram. I'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all the SFC fans, Josh from the Saints FC page on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can find it at the Saints FC page. And Josh, uh, thanks for joining me. I know it's Mother's Day. I uh, didn't realize that when I set this up with you and I apologize, but I appreciate you taking some time away from your family to, uh, to talk to me about what was a pretty uh, atrocious display uh, up in Newcastle yesterday. Yeah, it was pretty awful, man, but, but it's, uh, it's my pleasure to join you here and I appreciate the invitation. I know. No, always, always, always a pleasure to chat to other fans and get their perspective and stuff. Um, but b- before we jump into the game and, and I'll do all that stuff, uh, let's just start with you. Uh, like, did you grow up in the Southampton area? You live in the Southampton area or, or you know, where, whereabouts do you live in, in the UK? I currently don't live in Southampton. I live in a little close, I'm more closer to Bournemouth than I am to Southampton, but I did, I was born in Southampton, but I only go there for the games now. Well, that's all relatively close though. Yeah. Yeah. About an hour away at the most. Oh, okay. Depending on traffic and stuff. Um, other, other Saints fans live near you or is everybody else like what, what's the majority like fan base in, in the area? In my area, it's really full of Arsenal Bournemouth fans because, well, Bournemouth are local. Um, but my brother's a Southampton fan, so, you know, I mean, it's games with him. Just And I most of my, and the people I'm friends with are Saints fans, so there's a few Saints fans, but mainly Bournemouth. What about what about your, your family? Oh, really? He's a, he's a Southampton fan, but no one else is really interested in football for me. Um, in my family, my mom keeps updated with stuff because she knows how passionate I am about it, but other than that, no, not really. Oh, okay. All right. Um, so how, then how did you become a, a Saints fan and how did you become interested in football uh, without kind of the familial tie to it? Well, growing up, my dad was a fan of Blackburn and so kind of always, he kind of always just watched football and he saw it on TV and my brother was a Saints fan. So he had a sticker put up on the window 
And I kind of just grew up always saying, oh, I support Southampton. Southampton's the club I support, even though I didn't really know much about them at the time. Um, and it was mainly like sort of two or three years ago where I started actually watching the games. Uh, I think one of the most memorable ones for me is our 4-0 win over Arsenal on Boxing Day. Uh-huh. That's probably the game I remember the most. And uh, yeah, after, like since that game, especially, I became incredibly passionate about the club. And it's just since then, really, I've kind of always been a Saints fan there. All right. And then um, since you guys don't live, you know, in Southampton, do you do you get to attend very many matches with your brother? Uh, not really. I often go with my best friend, Matt. Um, I go with him to quite a lot of the games, but it's often just like whenever I can. I'm not like a season ticket holder or anything. I mainly go to cup games and stuff like that. And uh, you have a, a particular stand you like to sit in when you when you go? Yeah, I prefer the northern stand most of all, just because you know, it's the loudest, fans are singing the most. That's why I like to get involved in. All right. And then uh, what about away matches? You, do you like away matches a little bit more? Or? Uh, I prefer home matches, the passion and the loud, the noise of the fans. And then at some point, your kind of passion for the club moves, not just going to the game matches and singing and watching and things like that, but you, you got a fan page on, on or a page on, on Instagram. Um, yeah. And, and so kind of what, where did that come from? Like what made you want to start uh, doing that sort of thing? It's really strange, really, because I had no idea about fan pages and stuff. And I just thought, well, you know, I know all these players are on Instagram and maybe if I can show my support to them, you know, we can be in that same kind of area because they're posting on Instagram, I'm posting on Instagram, same place. You know, we're all one club. I can show my support and they can see it. That's what it kind of started off as for me. Okay. So like just to support the players then? Yeah, pretty much. The team get behind it and to show it to them. And is it still that way for you? Uh, a little bit more to a voice for the fans more than trying to just support the team. Of course, you know, I have to support the team with the page, but more it's just trying to show what the fans want or how the fans feel about the club and the games and the information like that. Keep them up to date with everything. What's the most difficult part about, about running that page? Knowing what to put as your captions, knowing what, like how to get your audience more motivated into evolving your post is the hardest thing because I've put captions before and it upset the fans. They don't agree with me. And a lot of people just they get upset and they unfollow and stuff like that. You have to know like, to get them involved and share their opinions without actually getting insulted in a way. Yeah. yeah. Just I, getting them excited and joining you. I understand that because I am, uh, I tend to be like kind of a, I don't know what to say. I don't know. I tend not to post too many uh, controversial things. I tend to stay more kind of conservative with it, but it is frustrating because sometimes I really <laughs> would like to say some things. Yeah. I think, I think the last you couple, run, but. I think the last couple have been, have been getting closer to that. So, uh, but when I see, <laughs> when I, when I see, uh, you know, guys like, like Adam Leach and, and, uh, Adam Blackmore, when they're finally kind of letting it go a little bit, you know, then it's like, uh, maybe, maybe this is now it's, it's okay. Maybe it's, it's like a little bit more justified as long as I'm just not taking cheap shots at everybody. Yeah, it's kind of everyone, everyone has a fan base is upset with the club, the board, the management. So if you, you know, if it's come to that point where you're okay to say we are in a shambles at the moment and everyone can agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, some people have been saying it for a long time and I'm just not, I wasn't that quick to, you know, just keep the faith for as long as I can. But it's at this point, it's like, man, I don't know. I don't know if I can can anymore. Yeah, exactly. We're never really shown anything good anymore, really. Even even so, the only way we're managing to stay up is relying on teams like Crystal Palace to lose to Chelsea. And that's what we also relied on last season to get top eight. And it's just becoming repetitive now. And eventually our luck is going to run out, really. Yeah. Oh, I think that if you if you would have watched us play last year what and you know you can look at the at, at the eighth place finish and say like oh you know they finished eighth and, and fired their manager got to a cup final all that stuff but if you watched us play and you watched us get to that eighth place spot i don't think very many people would have said we yeah. we deserved it you know or that it was definitely going to be something we can continue this year because we're playing in largely the same style doing largely the same things and it's obviously it's not working but 
Um, has since you've had the page, has that really has it changed the way you interact with the team? Has it changed the way you watch the matches or or anything else, or is it kind of just status quo and you, it's just something extra that you do? Well, I mean, since I started running the page, I watch the players more closely what they're actually doing in the game. Then, of course, if they make debuts like Sims or in the Tottenham game, Michael Bafemi. I kind of watch what they can do, see what they can offer, and then just share my opinion on that. It makes me watch the players individually more, whereas not just watching the whole team when they play. Okay. All right. Um, and then I guess what's your favorite thing about, about running the page? I think it is just being a voice of the fans, just getting their opinions and just discussing with like-minded people about what the, what state the club is in and you know, what we should do to move forward. And do you run it by yourself? Is there anybody that helps you a lot with that? Uh, I run it with my friend, Will. He's from the States, um, like yourself. Uh, he posts every now and then, like rants and stuff like that, as most people will see from the most recent posts. Um, yeah, he kind of posts when I can't be, when I'm not able to, or I'm not in the mood to because of the performance. He just posts rants and how everyone's feeling. He's more of a, uh, he kind of says things as they are rather than just trying to keep a positive up mood, like uh, atmosphere on the page. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was, uh, I was reading through the last, uh, the last couple of posts last night before we, we did this today and I was like, Oh, Oh, somebody's, somebody's slightly upset, <laughs> which I think yeah. is, is, is all of us, but, uh, yeah, he wrote, he writes paragraphs upon paragraphs about it really. So <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but Instagram actually has a limit. Has a, did you have a, a character limit? Um, yeah, I didn't realize that. I thought it was always just everything. And so the first couple of times that I ever posted anything, I wrote just way too much, you know, like nobody, nobody's reading this. <laughs> everybody's, everybody's scrolling through, clicking on a picture and either like, you know, liking it or not. And then moving on with their life, nobody's reading it, but I still continue yeah, to write exactly. stuff just cause I, I feel like it helps, but, uh, yeah, I've hit that word limit a couple of times ago. I'm like, Oh, that, that's unfortunate, but maybe it's good. Yeah. It uh, can be quite bad. Like that's why he had to post twice. Cause he's written these massive paragraphs and then <laughs> to cut it. In um, so I, I guess now it's time to kind of talk about yesterday and talk about, you know, the, the season, we have some questions from fans that we'll talk about as well. Um, <laughs> But generally, when we start talking about the match, obviously it was an away match up, up to Newcastle. Uh, the, the home leg was was two two, uh, two goals from Gabbiadini, one from the penalty spot, one uh, that was just kind of a brilliant individual goal. But um, starting with the lineup that the manager put out, uh, the, the back four, back five was essentially unchanged. Um, Hoiberg came in for Romeu, Ward Prowse replaced Sims, uh, Tadic, Redmond, Carrillo, uh, and Lamina all there. Any issues for you with either the formation or the personnel that were involved? Or if so, what would you have preferred to see? I think I say the same thing about the formation as everybody else. I have no idea why we're still playing one up front for the first 70 minutes of the game when it's pretty obvious that Carrillo has the ability to set up other strikers to score, or specifically Gabbiadini, as we saw in the Burnley game. You know, the header down and didn't set up Tadic in the West Brom game. You know, he can't score by himself, but he does set them up. Uh, the only other problem I have with it is Ward-Prowse replacing Josh Sims after the uh, really well performance I was putting from Josh Sims in the, uh, in the Burnley game. And every time he comes on, Ward-Prowse can't offer much going forward as Josh Sims can. Now, to me, those are the only issues. Okay. Now, so you, my, my kind of thing with Josh Sims, and I, I'm very likely wrong about this, but I always see, I've seen him come on and have an impact, but in the very few chances he's been given to start, I never really thought he was maybe as good. Um, but then when you look back at, at last week, uh, he started for Ward Prowse because he had such an impact when he came on the week before. And I thought he was much better than Redmond in the first half. And I'm, I'm probably equal with him the second half, but yet Redmond gets the start on the left-hand side and, and Ward Prowse comes in. And uh, do you think it's it's simply because of the, the set piece opportunities or why? what do you think is going through the manager's mind in making that decision? It's very difficult to see what's going through Pellegrino's mind actually with the uh, repeated tactics. But 
I think Ward Prowse is definitely there for the set pieces. You know, I mean, his corners are almost second to none in the Premier League, but the issue is it is just the set pieces he can offer. Redmond, um, for me, he's not really, he's always anonymous for me. I don't really see him doing much in the game. It's counter attacks you see Redmond on. Ward Prowse is just four set pieces, and we need players like Josh Sims who can turn offense to an attack. And I don't believe those players can actually do that, like Ward Prowse and Redmond. I don't think they are for that. Last week, I would have said that that we he put out the wrong team just in general because you, you we're playing Burnley away. They're going to sit back and sit deep, and you know they're well organized and going to have to be kind of broken down. And I didn't think that Redmond and Sims were the proper players to do that. You know, I probably would have liked to see uh you know maybe a, a front three of if Wardprouse is going to be there, great. If not, maybe maybe Tadic and Gabbiadini and Buffal in there because we need players who are going to move and, and create space and and do that. And and so I, I was a little. And kind of befuddled by the fact that he had Redmond and Sims in there to to run behind into nothing, into no space. And, you know, maybe maybe this week that's a little bit different. But, you know, I didn't we didn't obviously when we as we'll get into it a little more, but we didn't offer anything going forward this week at all. Um, and it was, it was pretty, pretty disheartening to to tell you the, the truth, because this is a team that's sitting one place above us, uh, you know, uh, significantly less kind of value in their squad, significantly kind of less quality in their squad. And yet we are, uh, you know, getting blown out three nothing, and it, we're lucky that, that that that's all it was. I think. Uh, yeah, I have to agree with you. With that three 0 I think is uh, kind of flattering for us in the performance we put in. The uh, the idea between the Burnley game, I think, genuinely was him just planning counter attacks, uh, Mauricio Pellegrino, but it didn't really work out for us because we are poor pretty much everywhere these days. If you look at the goal we conceded against Burnley, we, we should not have conceded that. The defense were letting McCarthy down a lot, and McCarthy wasn't able to recover from his save. And it was it's the same thing we see constantly with the defense and the team that we have, is that everybody wants to go forward, but Pellegrino tells them to stay back, and they don't really know what they're doing. So they're constantly all in the wrong places. And if you look at the Matt Ritchie goal that made it 3-0 against Newcastle, um, it, was, it was so easy for him just to place it. It was almost the same as the goal we conceded in our 3-2 loss uh, from Jesse Lingard in the... EFL final last season we just don't mark properly and so they can just tap it in roll it in nobody's there to stop it from now I mean right the, the game starts and within I guess it's 70 seconds or so uh, we're down and it comes from you know almost nothing they they play a long ball forward we get a goal kick out of it it kind of bounces around in midfield and then Shelby just kind of you know lofts it into the area and and it's Cedric I think that we were talking earlier he gets I mean, he just gets absolutely turned and and burned and it was terrible. And he didn't, you know, everybody uh, online and uh, you and I agree, he didn't do nearly enough. Um, But when, when that goes in, what, like, you know, what does that do for you as a fan who's, who's now watching the match? Like what, what happens to your confidence or your, uh, I don't know, just your thoughts on, on us actually taking something from the game when that, when that happens so early. Well, if you look back on the way we played the whole entire season, seeing us concede in the first, you know, just into the second minute of the game, it's disheartening. It makes you not really want to watch the rest of the game because you already know as a fan how, it's, how the rest of it's going to play out. You've seen it before, you've seen that it will just, it just falls apart. The team lose all their confidence straight away because our team is mainly based on young players. There's no proper captain. There's nobody who's willing to emphasize the players and get them in the mood of the actual game. Nobody gets into it properly. So once we go 1-0 down, the confidence is lost and we know that the game is most likely lost as well. 
I was hoping that that would kind of wake the team up when it happened. Like that would be the the kind of kickstart, you know, they punched us right in the mouth and maybe now we'll, we'll be in it. And we just never got into it. I, I think this is one of the first times I've seen any, any other midfielders really take control of ours. Um, usually between Lamina, Hoiberg and, and Romeo, uh, teams at least have an equal fight on their hands. And I thought that yesterday their midfield seemed to kind of be in control. And we, even though we had lots and lots of possession, it was never going anywhere. And, you know, Newcastle were organized. They got back in their positions quickly. Uh, that is kind of signature Rafa Benitez uh, style. And, um, you know, once they were out in front, it was going to be difficult for us to, to break them down and, and really because um, because they didn't have to come forward. And then when they do, they did come forward for that second goal. I mean, that happened so kind of quickly. It was almost like a the EFL uh, leg two of the semifinal against Liverpool where, you know, we scored from, from their corner. Um, it was, it was the proper pass. It was, it was with pace and, and quickness and the players were decisive and that's exactly what they did to us. They just tore us apart. And so, you know, I, all of it is, is, is disheartening. And I thought there was no chance we were coming back from two nil uh, down in the second half, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But um, kind of going through the, the first half, Really, anything stand out to you that any any kind of theme or any any plays that stand out to you? Any moments in the match where you thought we you know maybe looked like we had a chance or or uh, looked like we were kind of, kind of completely out of our league? Throughout the whole game, we looked like a championship side. We didn't look like we wanted to even be in the Premier League straight away from that goal. We just looked like we knew this was the game over. We knew that we were going further down into the table. We knew we weren't making any improvements and the defense, the passing was so sloppy. They just loved the ball at each other rather than just thinking, okay, you make this run. I'm going to hit the ball in front of you. They just threw it at each other and it kept going out constantly. Nobody kept the ball in. The whole thing was sloppy. It was like the beginning of Club World's tenureship at Southampton. Like nothing's really changed. The team keeps getting rotated. Nobody really knows who they're playing with. And when they pass the ball, it just rolls out. We don't, we may have most of the possession, but at the same time, we don't have any communication. There's no leadership. Like I say, you know, when, with that being the, the case, do you think, that a guy like Steven Davis is is necessary to have in the squad or you know is this where we we really miss a guy like like Jose Font being in the squad because he was that leader and that captain that we we had and even uh if he wasn't playing you know if he wasn't the best player in the squad he was the leader and now I think we lack that because we don't have it from the manager and we don't have it from uh, guys that are in the squad but do you do you, I guess do you see anybody in the squad that can really be that person or or are we going to we have to look long-term into bringing in kind of a, a veteran to, to come in and fill that space. Well, see, that's interesting because you bring up Jose Font there. And I think, yeah, right with that, he was the perfect captain. You know, he wouldn't, he would never sit back. He would always offer something going forward. If he knew the team were giving up, he would screw people. And it's the same thing Van Dijk offered as well. They just would never give up for the team. They would constantly you if you're doing something wrong. If you're just walking around, you'd get told that you're doing wrong. And we don't have that at the moment. And then mainly it's because you normally have either your goalkeeper or your back line as captains and the veterans there. Our centre-backs are incredibly young for football players. And the full-backs, Ryan um, Bertrand, is not for me a captain at all. He doesn't. He says, oh, you know, I'm ready to keep the team up and going without, with or without the captain's arm man, but I don't see him doing anything. And of course, as you say, Cedric is below, below par in the Newcastle game. And for me, he has been for the whole season too. I think the only person in our team who can, in the current squad, especially the one against Newcastle, who could possibly be the captain, would have been Lamina. But he's also somebody who is never really heard. He doesn't, you never see him like telling the players what to do. And there's no leadership anywhere for me. So yeah. I definitely think it's something we have to look out for. And I don't know, for me, like if, if you had it coming from the manager, that would be fine, you know, but 
it's not happening. And I think everybody, you know, you listen to any pundit who watches Southampton one or two matches and they quickly tell you, you know, he doesn't look like he's, he's communicating clearly. He doesn't look like, uh, like the manager doesn't look like he has control. And, and whether that's true or not, that that's how it looks to me and how it's how it looks to, I think to, to others as well. And so when you, when you have that, and then you couple that with the, the lack of leadership on the field, um, it becomes, you know, you, you get score lines like yesterday and you get, uh, games where even though you have all the possession, you can't score and at best you get a draw and that, that leads to you going down oftentimes. So, um, you know, I, I look, I always think back to, I think it's the year that, that Lester won the title. Um, you know, Tottenham were great that year. That was their, that should have been them winning the title, but they drew too many games and that's happened to them. Another and, and draws will come back to, to, to haunt you, um, eventually. But, um, a couple of things kind of in, in, in that, in that first half is, you know, Wesley Hoot, Jack Stevens, a couple other players, Hoiberg, uh, visibly frustrated. Um, and oh, yeah. whether it's, it's the, you know, the fact that they were, it, whether it manifested itself and that they were conceding fouls or yelling or having to be talked to by the referee or whatever it was, that's not normal for them. I don't think, I don't think they're normally kind of that animated. So because of that, do you, I mean, do, can we take that as a, as a good thing that the players obviously recognize that there's a, an issue there or is that they're too young to be, to be doing that and having that kind of frustration because they can't kind of keep their head or, or how, how did you kind of see that? Well, for me, I just kind of saw it as disorganization. Everyone is yelling at each other, screaming of frustration. And I think it all just comes back to the same idea of there being no leadership because they honestly look clueless. They do things because it's spur of the moment. They think, oh, okay, uh, we have to act upon this. There's a counterattack. Let me just slide in a slide tackle. And then there's a foul and they're angry about it. It's like they have to do, but because they're not organized. You know, if, if someone was wearing the captain's armband and set back, you know, don't foul them, just be about it, just get the ball away and then boot it down the pitch be more organized we wouldn't have to be frustrated because we would know what we're doing everyone every player on the picture would know what they're doing but it all just comes back to the idea of, of leadership but no one knows what they're doing you know we're not going forward together we're not going back together it's always relying on one or two players to do everything even in the liverpool game i think where we lost 2-0 um yeah the back line was the back was sloppy but it came down to wesley who several many several times you know he was the one who had to constantly be fighting off one or two players on the goal line almost we're relying on one or two players in different situations rather than actually being organized. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now there were a couple of instances yesterday uh, when it was still one, nothing that uh, I thought were interesting. And we saw Lamina get dispossessed um, kind of, he's at fault for the second goal and he gets dispossessed and McCarthy kind of saves him um, about 25 minutes in where uh, ball comes back and, and uh, you know, I think it's a ball over the top and Hoot is, is running back with the, uh, with the forward. Um, McCarthy's coming out. McCarthy chooses not to come and get it. There's a little confusion. Um, ball goes to Lamina and Lamina is, is given kind of a bad ball because, uh, I think who plays it to him and, and he's got two players kind of on him immediately and nobody in our midfield, nobody's moving to, to create a passing lane for him. And eventually he gets dispossessed and McCarthy has to make a save. And, and that to me is just, that's so simple. It's so fundamental that you have to move for your teammates and you have to be aware, like that's not a good pass. You know, let me, especially when it's, I mean, you have every the entire field in front of you and you can still go back to the goalkeeper. So like when, when that starts happening and then you see Lamina lose the ball, who normally doesn't do that. Um, it, it, it just looked like you said, like we were completely disorganized. Like we didn't have a plan as to, as to what we're going to do. Uh, and then not too long after that, um, you know, we, we have a corner, um, Ward Prowse puts it into the area and Lamina completely misses on the, uh, the, the volley attempt. And then, you know, then we're off to the races and, and Cedric, 
I, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to put any, I, I guess I shouldn't put blame on people there, but um, you know, it was three on two with Lamina chasing back and we, they, and they managed to score, which you know, they, they made the proper passes and, and they, I guess they did the right thing, but I would have wished we could have, you know, done better um, somewhere, somewhere in there. You know, if, if Lamina just gets a foot on it, that, that nothing happens, you know, that's all it takes. Yeah, but it's like nobody wants to take that risk. Nobody wants to be the player who throws their body on the line because then if it does go wrong, they're the one who gets the flame rather than the whole team. Whereas if it's a counterattack, everyone can point out different things. For example, you said in that counter in that counterattack, Lamina was chasing back. Cedric wasn't really in the right place. Nobody really was. And Lamina missed that volley and it was quite tragic to see, really. Everyone kind of didn't know what they were doing and so the whole team gets blamed. Whereas if Lamina does get back and he does throw his body in the way and he does make the block or he doesn't, the, the pressure is on him, not on the whole team. And it's like nobody wants to take that because they feel like they can't handle the pressure. And maybe that goes down to leadership. Maybe, like we said, maybe it all goes back to that. And, Definitely. and because I can't, I can't think of, of Jose Font kind of, you know, not allowing that to happen. You know, I can't, I don't know. And maybe he can't do anything to stop that. But I, I don't know. I think the mindset would be different if we had you know, a real leader in the dressing room or on the pitch. I think somebody has to, has to do that. And we, you know, if Lamina is, he's got to know there's nobody behind him, you know, and that he is it. And he has to get something on that ball. He has to control it uh, or put it out of play or something. He can't allow that to happen. And it was just, it was poor. We never really felt like we had a foot in the game, to be honest. I, I, that's why I turned off in the 70th minute because the passing was just so sloppy. Everything was sloppy. And the players were more frustrated with each other rather than themselves. Like Lamina and Hoiberg were screaming at other players rather than just thinking to yourself, okay, what could I have done to prevent that? What could I have done to get to get my body on the line, to keep the scoreline one nil, and maybe get back into the game? They were just yelling at each other, saying, oh, you know, if I'm going forward, why don't you go backwards? And it's, then the other midfielder is thinking exactly the same thing. Together, they're individuals. And a football team is called a football team for a reason. You, you're, you're a team, you're not individuals. Yeah. Kind of rewatching uh, parts of the first half, it seemed like anytime we put a ball anywhere near the area, uh, Newcastle, it seemed like Dubrovka came out and claimed it with relative ease. I think there was one where he only got, you know, a, uh, one hand on, he tried to punch it away. He didn't quite get there. Um, but defense was able to clean up for him. But for the most part, I thought he kind of eliminated any, any kind of set piece and that we, that we had any opportunity that we had there. He kind of took care of it. Um, and kind of looking at it from, from our perspective, I think the only positive we can take is that McCarthy made a couple of good saves. Like he was, you know, he was, he, the chances that Newcastle had, they, they, they took pretty well, but he came out and I think he made the right decision a couple of times, um, you know, cutting off angles and, and blocking shots and things like that. Uh, but other than that, I can't really think of a positive performance um, anywhere on the pitch for yeah, us. Yeah, it, it was it was one of them games. It was just nothing, nothing positive. There's nothing that happened in that game that we could think, OK, we can take this into our FA Cup uh, quarterfinal against against who is it Wigan yeah we there's nothing in that game that I think I saw and I want to say okay yeah this is really good let's do this against Wigan because if we do anything we did in the Newcastle game against Wigan we're not going to go through that's just what it right. is there, there was not there was nothing good there was nothing there, there, nothing to make me smile about nothing to make me think okay maybe there is a chance to turn this game around straight away from the off we just looked like the game was over right right and in kind of you know going into halftime the you know we we had 67 67% possession only one shot and none of them on target. And I think that just kind of sums up the team at, at this moment. There is, there's no, we were never going to cut through them. We were never going to challenge them. We were never going to uh, create anything. And I can't just blame it on everybody having a bad day at the same time. Cause I don't think that's what it was. I think we've seen symptoms of this for too long to say that, you know, somebody had a bad day because for so long, like you said, we've been relying on people to have moments of individual defensive brilliance and, and making recoveries and things like that. 
to kind of keep us um, safe and keep us level or keep us in, in matches. And we can't, we can't do that. It's not, you know, if, if we weren't, if we're not going to go forward, at least be disciplined defensively. And we're not. And that, I think for me, that is, that is one of the frustrating things. Definitely. And, I, and like I, like I repeatedly keep saying, I think it all comes back to the idea of leadership because nobody's saying um, in this game, we need to defend and then go on counterattacks and or saying, okay, in this game, we need to put the pressure on because that defense is unorganized most of the time. And if we don't have a captain to do that, Mauricio Pellegrino needs to do that. But he is so stubborn with his tactics that he doesn't want to change anything. He keeps saying, oh, uh, yeah, playing Carrillo and playing Gabbiadini is a possibility. And if it's a possibility, why does he not play it? That's my concern with him. He's so stubborn with his tactics and he refuses to teach them. Yeah, and I don't understand it because it's obviously not working. But he exactly. seems he seems like he's tied to it way, way so, too much. It's really frustrating. Really, really frustrating to see. Because if even even Corpwell, even Corpwell changed his whole formation in system third season. I didn't like Corpwell as a manager at the club with the football he was playing, but he did change the formation. He did try out new things. So we're just getting worse and worse managers, really. Yeah, yeah, it, that is that is frustrating. Um, now at coming out of halftime, we made two changes immediately, um, and and Sims came on for Lamina, and I thought Lamina had maybe his worst forty five minutes of the entire season. Um, in in that Long came on for Tadic. I like Tadic. I won't defend him here. Uh, he didn't have a great first half. Uh, he seems to be getting the start each and every week, kind of despite what other what people have, are, are seeing and saying. Um, and, and bringing on long from here, I'm not really sure kind of what 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 the thought process was there, but that, that's what happened. Um, and then eventually in the 66 minute, uh, Gabbiadini comes on for Carrillo. So now we have long and Gabbiadini on, but not Carrillo uh, or Carrillo. And so this is a, a giant disaster as far as I'm concerned. But um, we did create a few more opportunities in the, in the second half. But I think it was because Newcastle were were sitting, you know, increasingly deep, maybe perhaps too deep. But um, I think only two shots on target the entire match. So, so once again, not really not really tested to, to the amount that we would have hoped, given uh, that we had made, you know, every single one of those changes is an attacking change. Uh, but it's almost like we're just putting players on the pitch and hoping they can do something rather than, like you said, uh, being organized and having a, a, ga- a consistent game plan going forward. Yeah, it's it, it, the whole thing. The whole match was disappointing everywhere. And it kind of says a lot about the team, really. If you look throughout the whole season, the, the, everyone keeps saying the same thing. We're a team who has all the possession and we can go forward, but we can't put the ball in the back of the net. These substitutes at half time were really, really pointless because, I mean, Sim's coming on. Okay, yeah, now he adds more to the attack. Um, Shane Long was... I have no clue because you've taken off a playmaker in Tadic and you've brought on a pacey striker who doesn't know how to work with Carrillo because Carrillo isn't based on pace. And I think it's pretty obvious that Carrillo works well with Gabbiadini and setting him up. And it was just it was just disappointing to see that Shane Long comes on a player who hasn't been performing, who hasn't scored that many goals, only one in the season. And he has to come on and now try and turn a game which we, we you know, there doesn't seem to be a recovery of. He has to try and turn that on his head. Um, so, you know, I guess any other points kind of kind of stand out to you. I, I thought that Newcastle, uh, the players had a lot of time and space on the ball in the box, it seemed like. Um so when they did get chances, they were able to kind of convert them. I thought Shelby had entirely too much time uh, on the edge of the air with nobody closing him down uh, to be able to find Richie. And, you know, if you kind of look at the goals we conceded yesterday, you know, you have an individual error, uh, somebody just not putting their body on the line like we talked about. You have kind of people being out of position and not not putting themselves kind of in the right 
I don't know, just not be aware of what's around them from Lamina uh, on that corner when he goes for kind of glory. I mean, that ball's probably going into the stands if he hits it anyway. Um, so why not, you know, knock it down and put it back in the box and see what happens. Um, and then the last one is just a kind of a whole team organizational kind of letdown. Like nobody's really willing to step into that and, and put their body on the line and make the extra effort. And, and so I think there are a, different, a number of different factors and it shows that it's not just kind of one reason that we're, we're losing matches. It's, it's the, the entire team needs, uh, there are many sections, I guess, of the team or many aspects that need to be addressed. And that is worrying because we're now, you know, seven or eight games left in the entire season and we're fighting for, you know, a, a place in the Premier League and it doesn't, we don't look like a team that's going to stay there. Definitely not. And it's quite, it is really confusing if you really think about it. A team that finishes top eight, four seasons in a row, bearing in mind that two seasons ago, that was sixth place. And now we're fighting for relegation. It just shocks me to see how fast things could turn around. And I think if you look at another example of this, it is Leicester City. They won the league and then suddenly they were struggling for relegation too. But they changed their manager. They bring in Club World eventually and now they're back on form. And I, whilst I understand Club World didn't work with us, they, he worked for them because of the formation that he used and the kind of football he wants to play. And clearly we don't have the right manager for that to turn it around and get us back up in the table to secure safety. Because we obviously have the players who can do that. Gabbiadini is obviously a goal scorer. We see it constantly. Uh, McCarthy is obviously a good goalkeeper. We've seen him constantly do things which Forster wouldn't have done. But it's just right now there is nobody taking charge, nobody saying you have to do this. It's do what you want and maybe it'll work out. Yeah. All right. I feel, I don't know. You have anything to say about the rest of that? Because I feel like I'm I'm good on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. All right. Um, so I guess the one thing that that is in my mind about this is is going forward now, we have you know, we have we have an FA Cup match next weekend, and then there's two weeks off. So three weeks until we, we play another Premier League match. Um I think other teams play Premier League matches next weekend, if I'm correct. I don't think everybody just stops because people are in the FA Cup. So because of that, there's a good chance that over that international break we are going to be sitting in the relegation zone if the other teams around us can can pick up points. So if that happens, is that going to be psychologically damaging knowing that we'll have to make up a game and until then we're going to be kind of behind? Is that going to be damaging to the squad, do you think? I think definitely. And especially if we lose against Wigan, because I have no doubt in my mind that it's going to be a tough a tough quarterfinal. You know, Wigan have won the FA Cup before and they, they know they won it and it'll be a massive help to their club. If we lose that game and then we also have teams around us winning, we get pushed into the relegation zone and then they have to go off to international duty. And there are quite a few people in our squad that do get chosen to go to international duty and it kind of just lowers confidence everywhere around the squad and then they go off to international duty with that mindset of oh, at home it's not good enough and they play good international it kind of just dis- disorganizes everything even more because they want to do well but they can't because they know okay we're on international duty um victory but people just think of me this player who's on this team that isn't doing very well and i think it just continues to knock the confidence of the team and makes them perform even worse yeah and i also worry that you know so I, I would think that some of their international counterparts will know that that uh, what's going on at the club is not is not necessarily all down to that player, you know, and it's that yeah. maybe the performances they're putting in are not necessarily, um, you know, the performances that they they know their teammates can, can can put in. So I think it also becomes pretty toxic in terms of, you know, you, you start looking at other places. You have you have players uh, on your international team who play at other clubs who might say, hey, you know, consider coming here or, you know, how about this? Or, you know, we have a, we're going to have a spot or this guy's going. And all of a sudden now 
you're going to have people start to look other places because I'll be honest, Ryan Birch is not going to play in the championship. No, know? of course not. And there was several rumors that uh, both Bertrand and Cedric were heading off to Chelsea last season, but they didn't go through with them both posting pictures of themselves in London on enjoying the transfer window. Um, but then, but those deals never came, and now Bertrand's being constantly linked with Manchester City with Benjamin Mendy out for injury. And it's players like Mendy, players like Lamina, who won't play in the Championship because they know how good they are. You can't go from being in a Champions League final to playing in the Championship in England. Yeah. And these kind of players will look elsewhere, and it's, it's quite difficult for us because once we lose those key players in people like Bertrand and Cedric and Lamina, the, the team that kind of plays around them will just fall apart and we have like even less leadership, even less organization and we will just become even more poor. And I think the perfect example of that would be Sunderland because they lose their best players. They, they can't play well and the whole team just falls apart. Ah, Jesus. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, I can't see, uh, you know, those guys sticking around. You don't have European champions playing in the championship. This is not, it's not how it works. They want to play. They want to play in European competitions like the rest of their teammates, you know, and whether you do that in, in Porto or whether you do that uh, for Manchester city or Chelsea, that's, you know, you're getting the highest level of competition possible. And right now in the championship, I'm not saying the championship is a bad league. Uh, be honest, I'm not totally familiar with it coming, uh, you know, being in America, we don't watch, we don't get a lot of the championship. Yeah. Uh, we usually get two or three matches a week. Um, and when the, when it was on being sport uh, last year he, over here, it was uh, it was okay because they would show kind of the newly the teams that had just come down because they still had a Premier League fan base that had been watching on on the other uh, networks that that show the Premier League here. But uh, once you're gone down there two or three years, you're kind of you know you're, you'll be lucky if you can if you can get on TV. And uh, they like to show Leeds, they like to show Aston Villa because they have a big following here. And, and to be honest, Saints just don't. Um, we are one of the, the as much as they've tried to to you know build American partnerships and things like that, uh, Saints just don't have a huge following here. Um, and I can I can say that just from from having trying to talk to people and trying to find people who support Saints, it's it's hit and miss. And um, even in big cities, it, it's tough to to find a, a group of Saints kind of fans getting together to watch a match because they're just not there. Um, I was you know when I, when I watched the EFL Cup final, I drove I drove three and a half hours to to the bar to watch it, and there were seven of us. And this is LA, and LA is a, a huge city, but there were seven, and you yeah. know that's it. And and the bar was was packed with Man United fans, and it was atrocious to have to be around them. Um, but then also you know knowing that there were only seven, and that's you know it's great. I still talk to those guys; they're they're great. But uh, it's you know to 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 think that some TV company is going to continue to show the matches here in the States when we're down in the championship is probably not a, a correct assumption, but let's not, I, I feel like I've, I've kind of digressed. So um, we do have some, some questions from listeners. We have several, uh, we put out the last call and okay. all of a sudden they started flowing in. So I've been trying to update as we're, as we're talking, but um, let's see, I think there were, let's see, let's just start with the, the one from Instagram. Uh, from at H M S T H I L from H M still. Um, I think, sorry if I messed that up, but uh, we said we've been in or near the relegation zone for two months. Uh, how have the board let it go this far? What kind of thinking would lead them to believe Pellegrino would keep us up? And uh, to, to you, I would ask, have you seen anything all season long that, that maybe 
to you would signal that there was a chance we were getting better or we were improving or that we would stay up? I don't think there's anything showing that we're getting better. I think there's obvious signs that Pellegrino's tactics are being shown in matches now and they are playing the way he wants them to play. But I don't think it's us playing better. I think it's just us playing differently. And I don't think it's, an, I think it's again, like Corbuel, a style that doesn't work with our team. And I think with the board, um, I think they don't think he's going to keep us up, but I think they, they want us to go down almost. They want the players to go because I think it was Ralph Kruger who said, who labelled us as a small club in his interview. He spoke about how we're a small club and how Pellegrino is apparently taking us in the right path, but there seems to be no signs of improvement. Yeah, I think for me, the only time I could ever see us making any sort of improvement would have been, I don't even say improvement. It was, there was just enough kind of in the wins that he got at the right time. We would go so many weeks without a win and it would be, everybody would be, you know, super unhappy. And then we get a win and it buy him just a little bit more time with the board. And I'm not saying it was the correct decision, but he seemed to do that enough times um, to the point now where, you know, if he, if he wins at Newcastle or he wins against Wigan next week, then it kind of buys him a few more weeks. And I don't, I don't really think it's, I don't really think it's appropriate. Um, I think this is a point where uh, and we'll, we'll get to it in a minute. We're, the FA Cup, I don't know how I feel about it. Um, I'm an American fan, so it's a little bit different. I don't, you know, I don't have the, I'm not tied to it like some of the uh, fans who who listen in the UK and and I and I respect that, but uh, for me, it's kind of all about Premier League survival because that guarantees me I can I can still be a part of it, you know. Yeah, but the I think the winning the FA Cup, I think the, the I think if you win it, you get European football. I can't remember. I think that's what they said. Yes, yes. And um, so if we win that, we get the Europa League back. But at the same time, there's no point in being in the Europa League and also getting relegated. Yeah. <laughs> because it's kind of just humiliating because once we get relegated, our best players leave and then we have this weakened squad in the Europa League. We won't stand a long chance in there at all. No, 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 no. That, um, not only with watching it in America, but with with the idea that we will just lose a big part of, our, of the players we have and a big part of the fan base if we are to go down. And And I think there are some fans out there, and I could be wrong, but I think there's some fans out there who are totally happy with that, who think that we have a bunch of, we have more and more plastic fans that only like us since we've been in the Premier League. And, you know, I don't, I don't ever know if they're, if they're referring to to fans like, like me who didn't even come to the Premier League or didn't even come to football until relatively recently, or if it's people who live in the area who, you know, were wearing Man United shirts before Saints were in the Premier League and kind of established or whatever it is. But, um, you know, really like, you know, you, you choose your team and you support them and, um, sure. It gets hard to support them if they, if they go down and, and some people will kind of lose interest. And I think you've seen, you know, uh, just fans, it's, it's hard to go watch the same thing every week and it doesn't make you a bad fan. It just means like, man, you know, this is, I, I have so many hours of enjoyment and so much money to spend on, on kind of enjoyment and relaxation that this isn't it. It's not working for me anymore. And maybe I don't want to do this. And so maybe it's just a different mindset, but, um, I don't know. Um, now we, we have a couple more questions. One from Jason Dickey. He's at Jason Dickey 33, uh, on Twitter. And he says, what is the realistic expectation that the players will wake up after, after that loss? Meaning, uh, the one against Newcastle, uh, Pellegrino won't change. Um, and now the players have been sleepwalking, I think is what he means, but what do you think will bring some, some kind of fire to the team? So what do you, what do you think it's going to take to wake the team up? I guess. Um, I think it's going to take them taking a hard look at themselves and seeing, thinking what can they actually offer to the team because everybody i think especially in the newcastle game is performing below par below what they should be able to do 
especially in players like Cedric Alamina and, you know, all of the players going forward. We didn't buy Carrillo for the record-breaking amount just because uh, Pellegrino knew who he was, because he had experience with him as a good striker, as a striker who can score. And so I think every player just needs to take a look at themselves and say, what part do I play in this team? And midfield and centre-back need to think, am I the person who can order everyone around or am I the person who listens to orders and gets my job done? I think everybody just needs to look at themselves, speak to each other and learn to communicate and decide who is doing what in the team. Vast Majority 22 asks, what's the main reason for Saints League position this season? Uh, You think it's the manager or is it more complex uh, than that? What do you think? Well, I think we were always going this way um, before Club Puel. Well, in the Club Puel saga, we we fell quite far down um, and we managed to go back up through lucky wins and other teams losing around us. But I think we were always heading down this way. And I think it has something to do with more the board than the manager because the board aren't giving the managers the right amount of money to spend, in my opinion, and the right kind of oomph to say, oh, if we don't perform better, you're going to lose your job. I think it's down to the board. It's a little bit of everything, really, because players aren't showing enough passion, aren't playing the Southampton way. The managers aren't doing the right tactics and the board just aren't pushing the manager. I think it's a bit of everything. Yeah, yeah, I think... Yeah, I think there are definitely some issues that that are are larger than just the manager's tactics. But obviously, that's what we see. Um, and people were writing about it and talking about it earlier in the season that it's the manager's the easy target. You know, he he's what we of see, course. and it's it's easy to direct your anger there. And or if a player has a particularly bad performance, but you know, there are there are reasons that the manager has the players he has. And you know, it's I tend to think that if two managers in a row come in and play a similar style with our team. If that's what two, you know, UEFA pro level licensed coaches are seeing in, in our squad, maybe that's what's in our squad. Maybe, maybe that's what they think that that's the best they can put out there. And, you know, at some point, maybe it, you have to look at the recruitment and say, you know, maybe, maybe there are things that we're missing in the squad or whatever, but, but I don't know. And I don't know. I, I don't have, I don't have an answer, but I definitely think it's something kind of greater than just uh, the manager, uh, you know, messing it up. Cause I think otherwise we could have made changing from quad Puel didn't matter. Like somebody would do something different with the, with the squad, I think, but I don't know. Jay who's on Twitter at Granty underscore SFC says, do you think the FA cup is still more important or due to our league place uh, that we have to focus on staying up more? And I know we kind of address this a little bit, but if you want to revisit uh, for you personally, what would you rather see the club do? Would you rather see them go on with win the FA cup and get relegated or would you rather see them kind of bow out of the FA Cup, whether it's this round or the next round, and uh, stay up and maybe finish a little higher up the table? Uh, I'd rather see us stay up because the FA Cup is going to be there every season. If we are to get relegated, you know, the, the Celtic fans will show and everyone will lose a bit of interest. Even if you're a real fan like myself, I know that it's even hard to watch championship games and TV around in the UK where I live. So I wouldn't be able to watch the games as much. I would just... You know, as time goes on, I would lose interest. Um, but the FA Cup is always going to be there every season. We keep going for it. Currently, right now, our Premier League position is what's most important to us, in my opinion. Yeah, and just having a look at the at the quarterfinals, you know, you still have Tottenham, Man United, uh, Leicester, and Chelsea. Um, we haven't beaten any of those people this week or this year. You know, uh, Brighton's also there. Swansea, I don't think we've beaten Brighton or Swansea either. So. Um, even if we get by Wigan, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't equal a, uh, you know, an FA cup win by any means. It's going to be tough for us to get there. And I think at this point in the season, um, those squads, Tottenham's obviously out of Europe, so they're going to be focusing on the FA cup. Um, Man United, we don't, we don't know, but they seem to be able to park the bus and find a goal somewhere so that they can do that. Um, and Leicester city, this is really what they should be going for at this point They're you know, they're not going to get into Europe any other way. Uh, they're not going to get relegated. So this is, they're going to be putting out a full strength squad each and every uh, week and you have to think that every time Claude Puel comes up against us, if we happen to draw him, he is 
he is rejoicing in the fact that he knows that he can beat us and he wants to beat us because of kind of how his tenure uh, ended with, with the club. Definitely. And I think Leicester are in that position to be able to focus on the FA Cup because they know they're safe. They know that if they lose one or two Premier League matches, they're not going to go down. And that's because of the safety the club has gotten them to. And now they can focus on the FA Cup and finish mid-table as well as being in the Europa League. That's perfectly fine for them. That's what Leicester should be achieving after especially winning the title. Um, and for last season and possibly and all the seasons before is what we should have been achieving. But with the current position we're in, we can't exactly put focus on the FA Cup because we can win against Wigan and then drop into the relegation zone and then get knocked out by, let's say, Tottenham or United. And then we've got no FA Cup and we're in the relegation zone. And for me, that's just not worth you know, risking. Yeah. And with that, you know, confidence and everything else is, is gone. So it, it would be yeah, exactly. all around, I think, a, a disappointment and a bad, a bad thing for the club overall. Um, but I, I do want to say that I understand if somebody is, you know, who's been so supporting Saints for however long and never seen them win a trophy or only seen them win one trophy in their lifetime. Like I have to give that to them and say, you know, if, if I don't hold it against anybody for wanting the club to, to win the FA Cup. And if you have to choose one or the other, for choosing the FA Cup because that's a trophy. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to put anybody down for that. Uh, ideally, of course, we'd like to stay up and win it, but you know, we'll see. Um, and, I, and I have to be honest that when I first started watching, I had no idea how a team that could be, you know, this like so far down the table, you know, a team that finished 12th the year before was somehow in European competitions. Like why? I thought you were supposed to put your best and brightest in there, you know, and you know, why, why are they there? Why is Aston Villa there? And then, you know, getting relegated or whatever. But then I figured out, you know, how it all works. And now I understand and I won't probably, I'll probably cut that out, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I want to admit that to everybody, but, um, <laughs> but, but uh, Darren uh, Boyce Smith, who's um, at Boyce underscore Smith DJ um, says a new manager couldn't do any worse. So making a change now would be the right time to do, to do it. Uh, do you agree? And and to you, I guess, would you say make the move now or or do you think that we've waited too long or, or what do you think? I think it's just we've waited too long. I think we should wait till the end of the season. Um, look at the players who don't fit in with what the football, the Southampton way is. Get, get rid of those and a manager who can work with the players who can fit into a style. All right. Um, and then one last one here from Tactics FC um, says, uh, which is more damaging uh, to the club? The, the fact that we've lost so many managers, we've lost Kuman, we've lost Pochettino. Uh, or the fact that we lose our players, um, you know, you think of Wanyama and Schneiderlin and uh, Lalana, Mane, all of these players kind of going to other teams. Um, what, which of those do you think is is most damaging for us? I think it's definitely the managers because our recruitment's always been able to bring in players who, or naturally, have been able to bring in players who can replace those we've lost. We we brought in the kind of players who we feel like can replace people like Graziano and Sadio Mane and players like that. We've always brought in players we feel can replace them, but we don't have the tactics or the strictness of Pochettino or Koeman. Um, you hear these stories. Pochettino was it was apparently always tough on his players, and when they complained about it, he was even tougher. So we need the managers who aren't willing to sit back. And I think that's what Pellegrino is. I think he's just a yes man. Just lets people do whatever they want. I think it's definitely the managers and how strict they are. And I think we're always able, our recruitment is always able to replace the players that we lose. All right. Well, unfortunately, uh, or maybe fortunately, because we don't have to talk about it anymore. I think that's it. And I, and I kind of agree. Uh, I kind of think that, you know, definitely the players, the players going, I can understand that uh, hurting the club because eventually, you know, if you miss on a player, then, then you're in, in, a, in a bad spot because you spent some of the money. Um, you know, you obviously didn't get the, and it's, the players aren't guaranteed to come through, but with the manager, with the, and no manager really stays at a place for, you know, five, 10, 15 years anymore, but, uh, to, to not be able to develop the, the style you want to play and be able to kind of groom your team in that model, I think 
I think hurts us. I think having a different manager that maybe wants to play a slightly different style, um, with slightly different ways of communication. And sometimes that's all it takes is, is for a message not to get through is, uh, just the manager not being able to communicate with individual players. And if you have two or three players on the field, not quite clear of what's going on, that's enough to disrupt everything. And, and it can result in several losses or draws instead of wins. Definitely. Yeah. Um, definitely agree with that. But I guess before we go, before I let you go, is, is there anything that else that you want to say? Is there anything that stands out? Anything you want to say before, uh, before we wrap this up? Uh, the only, the only other thing I really have to say is that I think the only way we can really move forward as a club is to show our passion because the players aren't playing for it. The manager doesn't really seem to care. And the only thing that's left really, the only voice for the club is the fans. And I think we need to go to games. We need to chant and we need to show banners that show that we're the way things are because we are the, we are the last line of defense almost. We're the only ones still standing here for the club. Yeah. Um, I will be at West Ham away. Uh, <laughs> this is, I mean, okay. yeah, I've never, uh, when, when we set the calendar, it's, it's spring break. I'm a teacher. We're going and the whole family's going. Um, I got a seven-year-old and a 12-year-old and I, I'm kind of worried, you know, uh, I'm worried. I, about I, I would definitely be concerned given the scenes in the last West Ham game where the fans were constantly running onto the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I saw some other things in the stands that I wasn't really thrilled about either, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And then <laughs> uh, the Premier League in USA, um, is like a, it's basically the marketing wing of the premier league, but they are, um, they are pretty good about, you know, if you're, if you're meeting with a couple of other fans, you know, they, they'll help promote it and they'll help show and they want, cause they want to show everybody kind of going to the games and doing this. Um, Newcastle had a big meetup yesterday, like I think outside of Chicago and it was, was you know, it, you, you get 40, 50 people in a, in a, in a bar that are all rooting for the same thing. It's kind of cool, but um, they're doing this giveaway and it was like the ultimate fan adventure and it was the tickets in like, you know, full oh, yeah, flyover. Then it was two, uh, but it was two Southampton West Ham. And I was like, they put it out, you know, midweek last week. They had no idea that <laughs> what it was going to mean because that's a huge, yeah. it's a huge game in terms of relegation. It's a huge game in terms of these are two uh, clubs who are angry with their manager, who are angry with their board. Um, one, <laughs> one fan base who was obviously willing to, to, to show that uh, in a number of ways and, and one who's getting there. Um, I saw things kind of circulating in terms of, you know, meet, uh, outside of one of the stands at the next home game and, and, you know, bring signs and do this. And I mean, we'll see, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know how it's all going to work out. And, you know, I might give my kids more than they bargain for, I guess, uh, uh, when, when we do show up to, to the London stadium, <laughs> yeah, maybe. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe so yeah. it's, it's a crucial game for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, Josh, I, I appreciate you coming on and I, and I just, you know, I know it's mother's day and I apologize for that. I'll, I'll pay attention to the calendar you know, for the, the next person is going to benefit. <laughs> nah, you, you, you won't, but I, pr- I appreciate invitations. So it's good. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, more than welcome back anytime and, uh, we'll keep in touch and hopefully this will, uh, this will go, this will go well. <laughs> I hope so. All right, man. Well, uh, you have a, a great rest of the evening and um, tell your mother, happy mother's day, uh, from the awkward guy in California who you talked to for an hour. <laughs> Um, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next time. All right, dude. I'll see you in a bit. And that does it for another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I hope that you enjoyed it. Special thanks goes out to Josh, who runs the Saints FC page on Instagram. Thank you for taking the time to join me. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Uh, tell your mom happy belated Mother's Day. Sorry. Everybody out there, if you don't already follow Josh, you should at the Saints FC page on Instagram. The link is in the show notes. Go over and do that now. You can also follow this show at SFCDELL underscore I V E R Y on Instagram and Twitter. 
And we're at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. As always, the show is partnered with The Saints Report. For all your Southampton FC news and needs, be sure to head over and check out The Saints Report on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. All of the links are in the show notes. You will not be disappointed. I also want to take a second to thank any new listeners and anybody who submitted a question. Uh, You make the show much more interesting when you do that. And new listeners, welcome. I hope you enjoyed it. If not, let me know what you didn't like, and maybe we'll change it. I'd also like to thank the We Are Southampton page on Instagram for doing the artwork for the show. Matt, who runs the page, has also been a guest several times. He's given me lots of help along the way. So special thanks to Matt. Head over and check out the We Are Southampton page for all your match day edits, news, polls, competitions, and more. Uh, you will not be disappointed, I promise. Uh, if you are new and you want to make sure you get the next episode, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or even Spotify. All music comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games. And the song you're listening to now is Aim is True by Poddington Bear. Normally all of our sounds come from freesound.org. This week, they came from my kids' horrible Christmas play. Uh, I don't tell them that, so please don't. It'll hurt their feelings. Don't forget to rate and review the show wherever you do listen. Remember to subscribe. We'll be back next week. And until then, remember that together, we march on.